I remember one time we were shopping at uh, Toys R Us and my parents were asking questions and our birthday was coming around the corner and we're looking at bikes. They don't say, hey, would you like a bike this year for Christmas or for your birthday? And uh, we're looking at all these different bikes and I remember my parents looked at one bike and they asked my brother, hey, what do you think of this bike? And he was, he's, my brother's a nice guy. He's like, oh yeah, that's a nice bike. What do you think, Jamie? And I said, hmm, no, I don't, I don't, I like this bike over here. And the bike that they were looking at, the first one, was kind of like the older style bike. It had almost like the banana seat, but it was no longer banana seat, it was kind of bloated. But it basically, less the style of the bike. The bike I liked was this gray dirt bike that had the knobby tires, it had the bar, it had like a, you know, had a pad, so in case you do something crazy, you're gonna bump your head, you got a cushion. That meant fun, right? It had the, it had the front spoke that was like stuck out a little bit, so. This, this was a dirt bike. This, was, this meant fun. This is, meant, this is a cool looking bike. And I said, well, I like this one. The price wasn't much different. But I think you never know with your parents. You, know, you just got to know, you got to be honest. You know, Be honest, right, guys? Well, my brother's birthday comes around first, and he opens it and he gets, he gets the bike that they asked him about, the one with the bloated banana seat. And he is happy to have a bike. He really is. A, he's a good guy. And then not too long after, goes my birthday, and, and here comes my bike. And my brother looked at the bike that I had, and he goes, I didn't know I could get a bike like that. <laughs> and I felt so bad for him, but I was so relieved that I was honest. <laughs> <It's 'cause, laughs> because, you know, and even years later, I, and even recently I talked to him about that, and he still has a little bit of grudge about not getting the, that really cool looking bike. I guess in a way, he, he had an issue of coveting. And I think if we're honest, we all struggle with coveting from time to time in different places. And... Um, and we've been going through the Ten Commandments here, and this is the last one. And, you know, and there, in the Ten Commandments, there's so many, there's ten laws that God gives us, rules to go by for a better living. And for, you know, the first is, you know, that basically there'll be no other gods before us, that we honor Him only, that we keep the Sabbath. You know, that we do not speak, we don't lie about our neighbors, that we keep the Sabbath day holy, that we do not murder. That's a good one. Did we not commit adultery? And then it comes to 17. You should not covet your neighbor's house. You should not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And Jeff made it really clear that when we're talking about the Ten Commandments, God designed that because it's about community. If you lie about your neighbor, you're affecting two families. When you steal you're affected the person who lost something. And there's no longer any trust anymore. If you commit adultery, you've just broke up two families. And it's so true today, even though we're not like in a, that, that type of community, these rules, these laws, these commandments are still relevant in our life today. And he does these things, God says these things, not because he's wanting to take the joy away from us, that he takes our freedom away from us, but he does these things because he knows what's best for us. And he says, in the house, I don't know about you, I've got a humble house. I love my house, it's humble. But you look around, every once in a while you go, especially in the Des Moines area where you're going by the waterside, and it's funny, as you go further inland, the houses are nice, nice houses, but then you go right by the water, and they have these beautiful houses. They're gorgeous, they got a view of the water. And it's hard sometimes not to feel a little, little covetous about that, going, well, that's, that's a beautiful house, that's nice to have that. Someone's wife, someone's husband, a male servant, female servant. 
these are people that would make your life more easy. You get more productive. You get more wealthy because more workers, more things to get done, more wealth for yourself. Ox, donkey, once again, these are not just animals like they were pets. These are, these are animals that got the job done. They helped get things done that you'd be more prosperous. And wanting things in itself is not a bad thing. But when you're wanting someone else's that they, don't, that they no longer have, that's, that's where it becomes a bad thing. Or, and I love the way God does here. Because he says all these different things. And at the end says, or ox, or donkey, or anything that is his or hers, you know, that's, uh, uh, that's of his. The best definition for coveting I saw was desiring something with evil motivation. It's in the same vein as jealousy or envy. Now, wanting is not the same thing as coveting. Now, I don't know, does anybody here have a favorite car? That they have, there's a dream car they would, they would love to have. Now, you may own it and you may not own it. Uh, Mine my, my growing up is a Chevrolet Corvette. It's got an awesome history, a V8 engine. It's won a bunch of awards. It's, a, it's, it's one that competes with other countries, and our car is, is so unique. It's one of my favorite cars. My best friend, he actually owns an early 1980s Corvette, so apparently it was, that was pretty cool to him as well. I've got, to drive a, I've got to drive a Corvette just once. It wasn't official. I was working at a dealership. It was actually a Ford dealership, and someone had a friend, and their Corvette was getting worked on at the Ford dealership. I'm not sure how that worked out. I worked in the service department. The place was closed, and they wanted to make sure that Corvette was actually parked in the garage to keep it safe. So there was nobody around, and so, and I have the time I'm driving a little hatchback Honda Odyssey with no power, so I, I had to gun it for once, just, just to see what would happen. I did the, you know, this, whoa, and it was like three seconds of speed, and then I hit the brakes, and I'm like, okay, I'm not doing it again, but it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. It was really, really cool. I don't have, someone's like, I don't covet that, to be honest. I think it's really cool to have one, and maybe one day I will. And if I keep my eyes on such a thing, it may become a situation of, to the point where it's sin. But for now, I just enjoy it. I enjoy looking at them. I, I love cheering them on. I read them in, in Motor Trend magazine as a seeing who's, who's the top dog now because they always keep competing one for the other. But it's not a problem for me. You might have the same thing too. There's things you may want, you may desire, but it's not a problem. But sometimes, if we focus on it too long, it can become a problem. In Matthew 15, 19... Jesus says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. To break God's commandments inwardly is the equivalent as breaking them outwardly. Now Jesus is saying this and saying everything that you think becomes sin, but he says nothing just happens by chance. When there's murder, they talk about being premeditated. Someone did decide to kill someone one day. It, they thought about it. They, wanted to, they, they must have hated that person. They, want, they got in the way or whatever it might be. That person didn't just die. They chose it. It was something that was in their heart and it came out. People who still don't just go, do, 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 shop in a cart and just drop it in there go, oh, I don't know how it got there. They took it, right? How many of you have kids and you've, uh, you're, going, you're shopping in a store, you walk out and you realize your kid is holding something that was... <laughs> The stores that you did not pay for. <laughs> and you go, oh no, this, how did this get here? And then you go to go back and talk to them. I've actually, I work in retail, and I've actually had one parent to actually come back and do that kind of thing, you know. And uh, it didn't just happen, did it? There was a motivation, there was an intent that took place. God is warning us about that, that the things we put our heart on, the things that we focus on that are, are, are evil, taking someone else's, somebody else's, 
will always cause destruction. Our thoughts don't just affect us. Like we were saying before, our actions on certain events affect other people. If you let your thoughts get, get the best of you, let's say adultery, it doesn't just affect you, does it? It affects your family. It affects the other family. I've heard it said that uh, in divorce, 80% of one of, the, of one of the parties already has someone they're already, they're already connected with. They didn't decide to say, this is not working out. They were already engaged with somebody else. Their thoughts were already with somebody else. Their actions were becoming with somebody else. So God says no to coveting for us because we will never be satisfied with it. There's always more to have. I heard a story about it one time where a man searched long long and far to find the most beautiful woman because that woman he was going to propose to and he'd be the best husband to that woman. So he searched city to city to city to city and finally a man says, here in our city we have the most beautiful woman. She's over this street on the left side. That's where she's at. So he sees her and she, boy, she is beautiful. And he says, I'm here for you. I, am gonna, I want to marry you because I'm, I'm wealthy and must be because he's got the, got the money maybe. And he says, but I'm going to treat you so good. I'm going to treat you like a queen. I'm going to do all these things for you because you're the most beautiful woman in the world. And she says, well, I'll, I'll, really, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. You really, you really do all that. He says, yes. And she says, well, that's great, but you know, my sister's more beautiful than I am, and she's standing right behind you. He turns around, there's nobody there. But his heart was so much into, I will marry you, I'll treat you like the, the goddess that you are, kind of thing. But there's always something more. There's always something more. And of course, she walks away. Keeping up the Joneses, we want to look good. Your neighbor gets a new car, you look at it and go, wow, that sure is nice. That would be nice to have that car. You have a friend that just got a promotion. And their life seems to be going really, really well, and yours isn't going so hot. And you wonder, will my life ever change? And your life, your thoughts start going down a different road. Comparing yourself to others is never a winning factor, because God's made each one of us unique and special. There's always going to be someone who's richer than you, and there's always going to be someone poorer than you. There's going to be someone who's taller than you, and someone's going to be shorter than you. Someone's going to be faster than you, and slower than you. There's going to be people that are smarter than you, and there's people not as smart as you. I've got a coworker. His name is Vincent, and he admires my beard. I think he's. I actually. I actually say I think he has. He has beard envy. <laughs> and uh, I said, Vincent, do you have beard envy? He goes, Yeah, I think I do. And if I trim it, he says, oh. like, one time I trimmed it, like, nice and, nice and, you know, it gets warm in the summertime. He gives me, gives me like, this, I'm actually debating when I, when I trim it, am I, am I working with Vincent, because I don't want to hear the comments, that my beard is too short now. And I said, Vincent, you know, you have a nice full head of hair. <laughs> I said, I wouldn't mind trading with you, you know. <laughs> and he goes, mm, that's true, you know, because so, you really can't grow a good beard, so. So you know what? God's blessed us in different ways. And we have, learned to be, we have to be appreciative for what we have and not what we don't have. Sometimes we feel like we always want more. And I want to say this. If you're an American, you are rich. You may not feel rich. You may look at your life and go, life 
stinks right now. I don't have a job. The house is falling apart. I'm renting. My car is three blocks down the road because it died on me. My shoes are a year old. And you might look at all these things, but in all those things, you are still wealthier than most. I'll explain. Do each of you have a pair of shoes? You're wealthy. I heard one physicist that said that two-thirds of the world's population don't have shoes. Do you have access to clean drinking water? You are wealthy. There are, there are some communities that would love to have drinking water for themselves, their family, for their, their cattle, their crops. And here in America, we don't just like water. We like bottled water. This I got here is a Starbucks water. Whenever I go to Starbucks, I always ask for a venti water. You know why? It's quadruple filtered water, guys. This water tastes delicious. And this is, this is how we live in America. This is how we are. We don't just like water. We want it special. I'm going to enjoy it right now. You think about that. It's good for the throat, too. In history, people could not even imagine all the blessings that we have here. All the blessings. They could imagine going to a refrigerator that you open up a box and it has all this great food that you put in there. And things there you can freeze like a pizza. You can have it whenever you want. And you can throw it in the oven that just oddly turns on when you push a button. Things that they could never imagine. Indoor plumbing. Not having to worry about an outhouse. <laughs> That's right. A glowing box that just draws your attention. And you can watch things called TV shows. There was a missionary who impacted a, a, a community, and I was, there was actually a movie on it, and um, I can't think of the name of it now, but the, the man that was, became a Christian, the, guy, the, the missionary says, hey, I want to take you to America so you see things. And he took him to a drive through for the first time, and he was so blown away that you can go to one thing, speak to this little box, and go to a window, and they just give you food. I mean, fast food. Who would have thunk, right? These are things that we are, we are very, very, very wealthy. We are so blessed. And they say that, I think it was the statistic that was right, about 1%, each American is still considered like the 1% riches of all history because of all the things that we have. And all these wonderful things we have, we're no happier because the Beatles are right in the sense, you can't buy me love. There's two different studies that came out just recently about, about people's health and they found the greatest concern now is loneliness. People are connected in Facebook and all those different things. They've got all these friends, but they don't have people they feel they can truly contact, they can truly call if they have a, a dire need. Wealth doesn't make you happier. Stuff doesn't make you happier. Also, when we covet, it puts our focus on what we don't have. I was joking about a TV just a moment ago. Um, when we go to a restaurant, and there's TVs in every restaurant, it seems like now. We went to Papa's yesterday, and of course, they've got a TV now. There's always distractions. I will try to sit away from the TV because as soon as that box is on, I'm watching it. It doesn't matter what the kids are, are watching. I find myself watching it. I watched a high school musical last Saturday. <laughs> the second one. <laughs> because it's on. I have a hard time. Does anybody, is anybody else like me that has a hard time? The box is glowing. It's on. Okay, got three of us. Okay, good. We'll we'll create a support group. Okay, so that's that's me. Okay, that's that's where I, that's where I, where I struggle. 
But that's the focus it turns on. If, can you imagine driving if you had your eyes not on the road at all? And that's one thing people talk texting and driving is such a major concern is that your eyes aren't on the road. But if you seriously just said you're just like driving the whole time looking away, what's going to happen? You're going to crash. You're going to cause a lot of injury to yourself and to other people as well. When we do that, we're going to crash spiritually as well. Also, when we have an issue of coveting, it makes us a negative person because we realize, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. And, you know, I can handle any negative person for a while, but after a while, it's kind of a downer, right? You know, and we have Christ Jesus. We have a lot to be positive about. We got the truth. Also, God doesn't want us to covet because the things won't last. In Matthew 6, 19-21, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Last Friday there was a, a party, a concert for in honor of Larry Messick. Uh, he's one of our own. He's dealing with a, a brain tumor. And um, it's, pretty, it's very serious. But they wanted to throw a party for him to to just get some donations to help out with finances, but really it was a party to, to celebrate Larry and to celebrate Larry, Sally as well. You know, people didn't come there because he had such cool stuff. He doesn't, they didn't come because he has the greatest house or the car he owns. They came there because they love Larry. And they love Sally. Because he's been a good friend to them. Because he's been a, a good man. He's a good man for me, you know, for one reason... He helped me out. Our car broke down. He helped, he helped retrieve my car. He didn't have to do that. And it was a long way from one place to the next place to get that car. And he did that. And he actually had a tow service, so the tow was free for me. The guy loves me. He was a great, he's a great man. And he's always has a smile on his face. He's served as Santa for the last 10 years at, at our Safe Harbors Christmas party. One family came every single year because of Larry. There may be other good Santas, and yes, we do it for free. It's a charity, something we do because we want to love people. But he did a fantastic job. Hasn't Larry been an awesome Santa? Yes. I, we have pictures, family pictures, and here he's in our family pictures, you know. Yeah, he's our Santa. He did that because he loves people. So people came. There was, uh, I was talking to his son, and one of his teammates from one of his, I think it was Little League, came 40 years ago, came to this party to celebrate Larry. Because Larry knew how to love people. He knows how to love people. His life mattered. His life has had a huge impact. It has absolutely nothing to do with stuff. Those are treasures that he will have forever. Those are treasures and memories that Sally will have forever. We sometimes need to put a focus on what treasures really mean, what treasures really look like. Nothing wrong in owning stuff. I love stuff. I think you probably do too as well. I love my house. I wouldn't trade it. It's small, but it's mine. It's ours. A lot of great memories with that house. But sometimes, I sometimes feel like it owns me. There's always a repair that needs to be done. The hot water, hot water heater goes out. The paint it needs to be painted again. There are weeds in the yard. The moles, the moles, the moles. They come and destroy my yard. There are 
things that my, I was, and then I look across my neighbor, you know, and people talk about the houses, you know, the grass was green on the other side. It is, in this case, it really is true. I've got two neighbors, but they take really, really good care of their lawn. It really is beautiful. And we get to, we get to see it. So, but sometimes I feel like it owes me, and I don't have all the time in the day to do that because I've got other things that are more important. Sometimes stuff can own us. God says do not covet because he knows it will lead to destruction. In 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 4, we're going to talk about David. And uh, Pastor Jeff went through a series on David, the life of David, because he was a godly man with lots of flaws. But he still knew how to love God, and God showed how much he loved him. In 2 Samuel 11, 11, 1 through 4, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab with, his, with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. The key, the key verse in here, the key, the key of the sentence is, In the spring, at the time when the kings go after war, David stayed back. He stayed, in, he stayed well, that's the, the point. He stayed in Jerusalem when other kings go out to war. In the, one evening, David got up from bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone out to find out about her. The man said, She is Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David, the mess, then David messengers, I'm sorry, then David messengers to get her. She came to him and slept with her. her. Now she was purifying herself from the monthly uncleanliness. Then she went back home. David had everything. He was a king of Israel. God had blessed him in so many ways. And one night, making a wrong choice, he looked out. His thoughts got the best of him. He coveted his, literally coveted his neighbor's wife and took her in. And as the story goes, she becomes pregnant. He wonders, how do I, how do I go about this? And so he tries to trick the, the husband, Uriah, into being with her so that, that he can cover up his sin. He's such a godly man, Uriah, that uh, honorable man. He says, no, my, my brothers are basically fighting war. I can't, how can I do this when they're fighting? I cannot do this. So David thinks, what do I do now? Well, so he tells Joab, hey, put Uriah in the front of the line and then back off. So that he'll be in the front of the attack and he'll get killed. Job does that and sadly Uriah dies. And later on, after the time of mourning, David takes Bathsheba. They get married. By all looks, it looks like he's gotten away with it. But he hasn't. God has seen it. And he's confronted with it later on. And he finds out he did not get away with it. And God breaks his heart and David sees his actions for what they truly are. First Timothy is six six or ten says, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought for we brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. 
there's one phrase here, because sometimes mis- people misquote this. They'll say, oh, money, it's the root of all evil. It's not. I had a pastor that said, you know, money is just simply a tool that God can use to bless others. And he's right on. The verse says, the love of money. When it's, when it's money that you desire for power, for selfish gain, that's when it becomes a problem. But God has blessed many of you with, with great jobs, and that's wonderful. And God wants to use it to take care of your families. But God also knows the things that God's given you, and not just stuff. God wants you to use it to bless others. So what is the opposite of coveting? What's contentment? Contentment doesn't come easily. It only comes through God. Philippians 4.11 says, I am not saying this because I am in need. This is Paul speaking here. I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstance. The story of Paul is amazing. He had everything. He was a great leader in, in, uh, in, in, as a Jewish leader, as a Pharisee. He had a lot of great power. He was passionate about God. He was wrong, but he was passionate. And he gave it all up to follow Jesus. He had no longer any power. But he was passionate about letting people know about Jesus. And from having a life of having everything to life of having nothing, he found contentment because he knew that it only came through God. In the story of David, in God's rebuke with David, with Bathsheba, God states all the ways that he had blessed him. He tell David, I've given you this, I've given you that, I've given you this. It says, he blessed him, and if that, had, if that had been too little, then he would have given even more. Do you guys sometimes wonder, is God's blessing it now? Or do you think God could have even more for you? You know, our brother served my brother. He thought that bike was the best that he could get. And then he didn't realize he could have got so much more. It's just a bike. If only got it out, had spoke it out. Make your request known to God. He does care. It's just amazing that as much as God had blessed David, he said, I would have given you even more if you just come to me rather than falling into being covetousness which I think is a word. One way of being content is, being, is, is appreciating what God has given you. Taking your focus off what you don't have and focus on what you do have. You may say, well, I don't have a good health. Well, how do you have family? Do you have friends? How has God blessed you? Do you recognize how God has been faithful to you in so many different ways? In Hebrews 13, 5, it says, Be content with what you have. Keep your lives free from love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. God's love for you guys is great. And last, one way, the way to have contentment is to put your focus on God. In Philippians 4, 11, 1 through 13, 11 through 13 says, I'm borrowing my daughter's Bible because it's NIV and I like this translation best. Nothing is pink, but it's not really my thing. Paul says, I am not saying this because I am in need, 
for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, in, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul nails it in the, on the head. Let's pray. Lord, there's so many great things out there, things to want. There's things that if we get out of control, it will destroy us. Destroy our families. But destroy our joy. Destroy our peace. Destroy our opportunities to be a witness, to be a light to others, to be a help, to be a blessing. Help us, Lord, to find contentment when we are suffering, when we are hurting, when we are sad. Give us that contentment that only you can give us to give us that season. Lord, we know, Lord, that you are God who loves us and wants to bless us. We are no different than David. Your great love for us is great. Your desire is to bless us. But stuff is simply stuff. And we are more important. Help us to see lives as treasures, to see people as treasures, to see relationships as treasures. Help us to understand that and to love people the way that you do, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, as a God, a Heavenly Father. You know how to take care of us. You don't say no to things because you're a killjoy. You say no because you know there's so many great yeses that are behind it. Thank you, Lord God. You really do know what's best for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your awesome, glorious name, the church says, Amen. Amen. Well, next Sunday, uh, Jeff will be back. He will be closing out on our Ten Commandments series. It'll be fun. Please be make sure you're there. And then just two Sundays is our Church on the Lawn. It's an awesome Sunday to be a part of that. So have a great Sunday.